Welcome to the Clear Skin Chronicles, the podcast that takes you on a journey to uncover the secrets of achieving glowing, acne-free skin. We believe that knowledge is power, and by understanding the root causes of your acne, we can create a solid foundation for long-lasting clear skin. I'm Katie Stewart, registered holistic nutritionist and founder of The Clear Skin Solution, where we help women just like you get to the root cause of their acne. And I'm Chris Brown, registered holistic nutritionist and program director in The Clear Skin Solution. Through functional testing, we pinpoint where the body system imbalances lie so we can dive deep into your acne clearing journey. We work virtually with clients to clear up their skin from the inside out and have helped thousands of women worldwide regain their confidence. Katie, we're going to do a pop quiz. I'm going to list some symptoms. Ready? Infertility, painful menses, long-term birth control use, hormonal imbalances, acne, leaky gut. Where do you think I'm going with this? My head goes, it's just part of being a woman, Chris. That's not symptoms of, any, of anything. I didn't say cranky. <laughs> I didn't put anything about mood in there. <laughs> But that's so, it's it though, right? Is women go to their, most of their, their medical practitioner and they're like, I am dealing with all of these symptoms. They're like, oh, it's just part of being a woman. Here, take the birth control pill. Here's an antidepressant. See you later. But that's not the case. There's something going on. And what is it usually? Well, I shouldn't say usually, but for a lot of women, what are those symptoms of? When we start looking at all of those together, we want to definitely be looking at endometriosis. So endometriosis, like we've, we've all heard it. I don't think it's new, but really we're looking at the, the tissues. The tissues start and go around the lining of the uterus. So it grows in areas of the body, outsourcing versus, you know, those cystic ones on the ovaries. And let me tell you, they don't feel so nice. Nope. So we can have normal menses cycles. Let's not confuse that. I've seen people with endometriosis and by first meet, they have no issues other than skin until we start breaking it down through our intake. And then they're like, wait a minute, that that's not normal. That's not just part of being a woman. That's what I've been told by my doctor. Some people haven't even been tested. We asked some other things, right? So that lining tissue, when it grows outside the uterus, it's misplaced. Think about this. Anything in the body that is misplaced, you're going to have a symptom. It's not going to feel good. No. And why it's misplaced is really it's because the tissue's responding to hormones. And what it's going to do, it's, it thickens and then it sheds with every cycle. So that thick tissue, and especially think about on the outside of the uterus, it can't pass through the vagina like it's supposed to. So endometrial fluid it gets trapped. I know I do. I'm like, I feel like I'm telling a story. This is riveting. Keep going, Chris. How does it end? I know how it ends, but tell us all. <laughs> right? And then every woman's dream, we get inflammation and pain. Of course, we can get it around the midsection. So things like bloat, even bloat can be part of that endometrial lake. And I'm not saying for everybody. I mean, you have to really get into that checklist, right? But sometimes there's that scar tissue that can build on that. And that's not comfortable. If anybody's had any surgery around the laceration or wherever it is, everything raises and that's the inflammation. How many times has a doctor said you need to get in there and you have to break that scar tissue up with massaging? No, never. They don't tell you that. 
That's what we have to do because that scar tissue can be broken down and should be broken down. It's only there for momentarily. Now put that on the outside of your uterus and that's going to be an issue. So of course there can be fallopian tube, you know, disturbances, all of these things, but essentially endometriosis, it's not just androgens that cause the infertility. Endometriosis can also be part of that. So when we're looking at all of it together, we can go and we can relieve the symptoms, right? We can make some changes, but essentially we want it to go away. Because it's painful. It is. If you haven't had endometriosis before, it's, it's so difficult to comprehend how excruciatingly painful it can be for women dealing with it. And I've, you know, had girlfriends that have dealt with endo and so many times like their partner or their family members or their work or whoever it may be, they just kind of downplay it on them. They like invalidate how bad it is. They're like, oh, like just take some Advil. Like it can't be that bad. And it's like, no, like it is so, so, so painful. Right. There was a study, I don't have it, but there was like 2% at a 50%. They call it silent endometriosis. Mm -hmm. So that's going to be tiny bits of symptoms or really no symptoms. So you can go through your entire existence, not even knowing that you have it. Now, for the people that do have the symptoms, what's that going to look like? Obviously, I'm going to explain it a little bit further. So we're going to get bloating. So sexy. Sexy, sexy. Oh, we all, we love the chronic fatigue. And I'm not talking the typical, and we're really big on this, right? How many times is, oh, chronic fatigue, you need to exercise. Oh, you're so tired. Yeah, it's because you have young children. Or you know what? Because you're going through the change of life. Let me tell you. Let me tell you. Let me get on my soapbox over here. This one's good for you, right? Nerve pain. Oh, that's me. That's near and dear. That's near and dear to my heart. Right? We're going to get joint pain, everything. Just think about anything inflammatory. So infertility, definitely the pelvic pain. Mm. What about bowel movements? Absolutely. Because what happens is between what we call like the womb area and the rectum at the bottom of the bowel, there's connective tissues. And when the ovaries or fallopian tubes, when those get interfered with or effective, that's what's going to happen. So again, nothing is for naught. So constipation in the Western world would not be seen anything to do with endometriosis, but we know what a good poop can do. Oh, do we ever love a good poop at KSW? <laughs> We're all about good poops, right? What about the ladies with digestive issues, spotting between cycles? And I shared with you a while back my story, right? You know, I was just a young little, young little nugget, I like to call myself. A spring chicken. Spring chicken. What are you saying? I'm an old hen. <laughs> no, I'm saying now you're like a, you're a summer chicken, Chris. You're a summer chicken now. Oh, summer, summer. I like it like. I think I'm a summer chicken as well. Just like strutting my wings, walking around the, the pasture. You concern me. You concern me. <laughs> I know. Guys, I have issues. Like, I have a little crazy side that you may not be aware of. Right? So I was having my menses for nine months. It was spotting, but then I would have full bleeds every two weeks, all of these things. Finally, my doctor's like, okay, enough's enough. I went to Toronto to the women's clinic. And like, that's, that's like the serious level. When you get sent down there, they can't figure you out. I'm laying there and they're like, oh, we're just going to do a sun histogram. So where they stick this tube mm -mm, mm -mm. up into the fallopian tube, and then they blow up a balloon so they can see what's going on there. May I tell you, I was sweating like nobody's business. I was sweating like profusely. Estrogen, yeah, estrogen, and low progesterone. Like there, 
I had hot flashes like nobody's business. Oh my gosh. I've been there when I had to go for, um, I forget what the, the term is, but it's the internal ultrasound after you've had pregnancy losses, they check your uterus and they're like opening the things up. And I, yes. I was also sweating buckets. I've done that for nerve tests. And it's true. Like you just like <laughs> slipping off. It's like a slip and slide when you're laying on the doctor. It is. You're like, I don't want to. Slip and slide. I will never look at a slip and slide ever again that way. <laughs> I'd be like, oh, look at that. I'm sorry, but it's a good description. So it's a, it's a you know, women's slip and slide. Ooh, that could be taken other ways. Right? <laughs> but long story short, this is what happened. There's no issues. In fact, I got told I do, did have a tilted pelvis. So they said, one, chances are you're going to have, you know, when you have kids, It'll be a little bit more painful, but nothing whoop de do. And, huh. Love that answer because we get it all the time. Yeah, we can't see anything wrong here. And like what other what other occupation can you be told time and time again? We don't really know what's happening and like still get paid multiple six figures. Right, right. Even what about painful intercourse? Mm, we see that a lot with our clients, painful intercourse. Painful intercourse, dry, these types of things. This can be all part and parcel of that. So, you have to work with somebody because when we look at these symptoms, we're going to go down that internet rabbit hole. And then Katie, oh Lord, what are the supplements that are going to tell you, oh, hey, Lord. take these. This is the shoe in. You need to take these. I'm going to give this to you because this is kind of like your birth control. And I know where you're going <laughs> to... Chris is just going to go have a snack. I'm going to come back. <laughs> I'll still be ranting. She'll be like, pop, like popping her snacks back there. So... Blind supplementation, I find, is one of the biggest things for women that are trying to balance their hormones. For some reason, it's always the hormone balancing things. So when we go down that internet rabbit hole, you're like, oh my God, I have all of these symptoms. I for sure have endometriosis. I most likely have an estrogen-based cancer now because that's what Google told me. Like I've booked myself into the ER. Like it, it really is this rabbit hole. So you start like buying all these supplements. And of course, you know, that good old internet algorithm the more you search something, the more those things are going to be popping up on your feed. So the biggest uh, supplements that we see women taking when they think that they're dealing with an estrogen dominance or endometriosis would be DIM, uh, IC3, those period gummies, and any of those hormone balancing supplements that start with estro, like estro blank or whatever, whatever it may be. Those are the most common ones we see. Can DIM or IC3 or anything like that be helpful in these cases? Absolutely, they can. However, we need to make sure that your whole, whole hormonal picture is taken into consideration when using something like a DIM. Because I would say out of all of the supplements, DIM is the number one thing that I consistently see, especially in our free Facebook community, Clear Skin for Life. Time and time again, women come in, they're like, oh my God, I took DIM. I saw this TikTok influencer talking about it and my skin is so much worse. And now I, I have hot flashes and now I'm dealing with this and all of these symptoms. And this is why blind supplementation absolutely is not the best route to take because we also need to be looking at, are these just another Band-Aid? Sure, taking this estro whatever or this period gummy may help reduce, give you some relief of your symptoms, but there may not be going after the root cause because when we're looking at like the bigger root causes of endometriosis, there's a big one in gut inflammation, leaky gut. You can take all the hormone balancing supplements in the world. And if you don't fix your leaky gut and fix your microbiome and fix your gut health, you will never have fully balanced hormones. So essentially you're now using that supplement as a medication, as a band-aid to just relieve symptoms. You're not getting after the root cause. And our food 
can do a lot with aiding in the reduction and or the clearing. Cause we talk, you know, again, poop. When we look at the foods, you know, we'll get into all those good things later, but that leaky gut. In fact, I taught on this last night, believe it or not. Yeah. It's kind of what I do sometimes. Of course you did. Chris does teach in her very little spare time that she has. I don't think she sleeps. I think she's a vampire. Ooh, I like, well, no, I can't be because, or I'm not good at it because, you know, I always have that anemic like property going on. So I'm not good at that job. I'd have to give it up. <laughs> you have to give it up. <laughs> Side note, I do have a bat that lives outside my house for the last six years. Well, maybe that's kind of foreshadowing that maybe you just don't know that you're a vampire yet. Maybe we have, we have a, like a twilight situation happening. Maybe. All right. So we have long-term birth control because now I just want to talk about the bat, right? Long-term birth control. And I'm quickly going to say that again, long-term birth control and switch the subject so Katie doesn't interject. So uh, genetics, hormone balancing, right? Please, 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 because we do too with clients. Endometriosis, and this has been told to clients, this is not contagious. It's not a virus. It's not bacterial. Therefore, it is not the cause through sexual transmission, uh, I, I tell you, I hear lots, but some of that, that took me back. I was like, go again. That's what you got actually, that from to be, sex. Uh, to be totally transparent, when Chris and I were prepping for this, she's like, we have to talk about it not being transmitted by sex. I'm like, what do you mean, Chris? Of course it's not transmitted by sex. She's like, no, like, she's like, we've had a number of um, clients lately that have asked that question. And I was like, oh, I had, I had actually never come across that all my years, surprisingly. But it's interesting how it's almost like on Instagram and social media, one person or influ influencer could put something out and then they grab it and they run with it. And they're like, oh my God, I heard from so-and-so that sex can have an implication in, in estrogen dominance. So it's, it's almost like that game of telephone. Right. And let's be honest. If we want to say, I would say you're an influencer. You're out there. You're pro Chris. I'm cringing. No, but not influencer like that. I find it two different ways, right? It's weird for You're me. You're a holistic influencer, right? We like to take things. First, we always look at food, right? We need to get in with food. Is it the root of everything? No, we've established that. But the influence here is I want to do it the holistic way. I want to do it the bio unique way. I want to look at your symptoms and your past history and what you're bringing to the table. I want to see that you have three kids and a cute little Bruno. I mean, no, we're not talking about me. Uh, no, but I want to see that what your family dynamic is because I need to see where I need to meet you before we start walking that path together. So as we use that word influencer, I'm going to throw you right in there because I can do that. If you can give and retract stars, I can do this. You guys keep talking about these stars. <laughs> so over in Slack, me, Paige, and Chris, you know, we have our little Slack chat um, with the rest of the team. And I'm constantly giving and taking away stars for Chris and Paige. I feel like I've created a complex. I may have to start paying for their therapy at some point, but I'm like gold stars for you today. And then Chris, you know, she says something like, that's it. I'm taking that star back. Like you don't get it. So Okay, now now I sound like a tyrant. I, I am I am pretty scarred from this. Now I'm sounding like a tyrant. I swear, I'm a really nice leader, you guys. I'm very kind. You created your own tyrant title, so I created my own tyrant title. But I do. I I I just find it very strange to be considered an influencer because I'm just this hot mess of a Katie over here doing my thing. You know what? It's the same with me is when people say, Chris, you're smart. You know how like I, I <laughs> oh, you hate that. I tell, I do that to you all the time, almost on purpose. Right? Because I don't feel that I know anymore. It's just, how about this? 
for everybody listening, because this is part of our clients too. Let me just go here for a second. I don't feel I'm smarter than anyone. And Katie doesn't feel like she's better than anyone, like of an influencer, right? It's like, we're pretty humble in the background. Like we talk stupid smack. We talk about plants. We talk about like just stupid things, random things, like just normal people things. The difference is, is we do bring to the table something in elevation. I obviously am going to know more about holistic acne and everything. It's what I do every single day. So that's how we look at it. We try and take it from a very humble perspective and we're because we want to help people. So when we, that is our main thing. We want to help people. So everything else just kind of like falls to the side. Is that, is that like a fair assessment? Like, I, I feel like we need my younger brother, Tim on here to, 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 to really, no, Tim is not, Tim is joining, not joining us. us. Her brother will not be joining us. Frank is Nobody not joining joins us. us. Steve's, Steve's not, not joining, joining us. us. Nobody needs to know the inner workings of how Chris and Katie work. But we digress. We went down a bit of a rabbit hole, guys. So when we pull it. No, but I just want, yeah. Okay. Hang tight. Hang tight. Okay. Where are you going with this? Well, I'm trying to tell you that you can't take away my stars first. <laughs> We're put, put up a poll. I want to know if you can take away my stars. We'll go, we'll go to the people. I don't like that poll. Okay. Cause Katie, it's not happening. You can't take away my stars. Long story short is when we see those influencers, it, my thing is, or when we see somebody knowledgeable, use those people in your world to not only collect your data, to up-level you. Because, hey, Katie, when you're in meetings, do you always, when somebody talks that is more influential on that topic, does it honestly not make you drool-worthy? Oh, yeah. I drool all the time. This just happened this week. I was in a mastermind. And we had some really big name people in this mastermind. And I'm like, literally like salivating, like writing everything down. I'm like, oh my God, you're amazing. Exactly. So we have that same. So what we do now is even though there's things that make us uncomfortable, I'm like, hey, you know what, Katie, I see some inconsistencies or I'd like to learn more about this. And I'm like, this is what I'm going to do about it. Mm -hmm. Katie's like, oh my gosh, you know what? I, I just, I just heard this person speak and I booked a call and this is what's going to happen. We do the exact same things. So when you find your tribe, you will absolutely know. So you can follow all the people, all the people. And they'll say, well, Chris and Katie, I have endo and my naturopathic doctor and my, my nutritionist and my gynecologist and my, and they're starting to list out everybody. They, they've done everything. Why do they still suffer? So that's what I'm saying is, Look at what you've done. Look at who you worked with. Why are you still suffering? Because like you're saying, that core root, that inflammation, how many supplements, the Band-Aid. Uh, let's just discuss surgery. Mm, surgery is a big one. Endometriosis. There's one or two things that are going to happen. The doctor's going to say, hey, okay, hysterectomy, see you later, alligator, take out the baby carriage. Yeah, no, and we've had a number of clients that have come in, like I just had a hysterectomy, full hysterectomy. Yeah. The, some people get ablations. Oh, so many ablations for clients. We've, we've seen them coming in with. Right. And they can also lose, like, with, I don't have a menses because I had an ablation. This can also set people into menopause. So we're not saying don't take the surgical procedures. We're not saying do not, obviously, like, we don't supersede medical advice. What I am saying is what if, what if we took out some pro-inflammatory known things. Mm -hmm. We altered a bit of that diet. We increased foods that, you know, really hit those phytoestrogens, the phytoprogesterones. Because in our world, 
it's really naive to think that progesterone is not a major factor in part of this endometrial mm-hmm. uh, elevation. Absolutely. So when we really do look at those bigger core root causes of endometriosis, we already discussed leaky gut because um, leaky gut and even an alteration in your gut's microbiome, which is your happy little ecosystem of bacteria and yeast that are just having a little party, doing their thing in there. In our gut, we also have a subset of microbes. And I always butcher this word, and I will probably butcher this word, Chris, for the rest of time, is estrobolum. You say it. And I always say, I say no. And I always, she goes, she won't. okay, I know it's this, and I'm like, and I just chuckle. I won't. It's one of those words. Because she takes back stars. Because you take stars. Chris, I'm taking more stars back today. So you guys, I, I, it's worthy of me taking stars. So with your estrobolum, it is this unique subset of microbes in your gut. And it's responsible for metabolizing your estrogens. So this is why your gut is so, so important to be getting back into balance so it can properly metabolize your estrogen. And then what inevitably happens is the estrogens will be leaving your body through your colon or through your poop. So this is why we really need to be having healthy poops in order to properly flush the excess estrogens from the body, or else we're just going to be leading to that further estrogen dominance. So when we're looking at estrogen dominance, which is again, another core root cause of endometriosis, we need to be looking at the factors that impact estrogen dominance. So this would be environmental toxins in our day-to-day, whether that's personal care products, make like makeup and skincare, cosmetics, uh, whether it's cleaning products, whether it's the uh, BPAs that you have your food cooked in or lined in or stored in. Chris, you know, we even brought up good one, like these hidden sources of um, the endocrine disruptors, which mimic hormones in the body or things like vinyl shower curtains. And flooring. That's a new big rage. It's, you can do vinyl. It's cheap. You know, you just lay down this plastic and then your house gets heated and it's an off-gassing. And so we're just surrounded by endocrine disruptors. Another thing people may not know is receipt paper. So receipt papers actually, and like, I never take a receipt. (laughs) I never take one unless I absolutely need it. And I go like this, I'll grab it by like, because I have long nails. So I'll like grab it by the tips of my nails. Like it's like hazardous waste and drop it in the bag. I also, uh uh-oh, this might be next level OCD. I also, when we're leaving the grocery store, the whole fam dam, the car gets parked. I don't even care if you take my stuff at this point. We all go wash our hands before we go in. I have now touched packages. I have touched other fruit and stuff that other people have touched. You know, just think about the immune system. All of these things, plus that receipt, boom. Like, let's go wash. That's an easy, basic personal hygiene kind of thing that can take out a ton of these estrogen mimickers into my body. Absolutely. So, like, we just really scratched the surface. We could probably do an entire episode just on endocrine disruptors, but just so you're generally aware of where you're going to be finding it. Another component that's going to be a massive contributor, a massive cause of estrogen dominance is the birth control pill. So we're actually going to be doing a whole episode. (laughs) This is where Chris is getting a snack. I'm going to take a nap. Chris is going to have a nap. But next, so I'm going to just say this. Next week is an entire episode dedicated to the birth control. So I'm just going to quickly summarize. But the birth control... Oh, do I come? Yeah, you have to be there just for moral support, really. Okay. Chris will be there, but you just may not hear her at all. So when we're looking at the birth control pill is it's flooding your body with synthetic estrogens. And this is going to be leading to estrogen dominance in the body. So whether you already have estrogen dominance, it's going to be making it worse or you don't have it. It could be causing you to have an estrogen dominance. And essentially what that means is you have either too much estrogen in the body just across the board, or you may have too much estrogen in relation to your progesterone because these two sex hormones need to be in a really lovely balance in order to, in order to play nice in the body. 
So that's why we really need to be considerate of the birth control use. And again, we're going to be digging into that more next week. Um, there can be a genetic component for uh, some women in any types of hormonal imbalances can be leading to that estrogen, estrogen dominance. Not from sex. Not from sex. Pinky promise. Interesting enough, I found this cool little survey and it says women with endometriosis may have a higher risk of developing ovarian, breast, and endometrial cancer. In our world, Katie, like this isn't new news for us, right? Like we know that in that estrogen dominance at any point in time, it's going to affect the breast, the ovaries, all the female. So since 2008, there has been a 21% increase of incidence for endometriosis cancer. Huge. Like what? Now, you can go, I'll grab that link and then you can put it into the show notes because I think it's important that we start This is what we need to do. We need to be looking at proper references and understanding. You know, when somebody brings you a news article, I'm notorious for this all the time. My husband will say, oh, by the way, Chris, did you know? And I'm like, oh, who funded it? Who funded it? I'm like, who funded it? When was it written? How long has the any research to support it? Like, and I go through this. In fact, he doesn't tell me anymore anything. So, which is kind of good. I don't know, but the I don't want to know about the bad news. But it's it's important to do, especially in this day and age, right, where people can share articles and stories and things left, right, and center. And even when they're coming from like well-to-do respected publications, we need to look at the fine print. Was this sponsored by anyone? What did they fund it? Did they did the person that write it have any correlations or connections to those sources which they're promoting or or bashing? So we really have to get a lot better at our detective work. And this is something that Chris and I are really big on is we want to be able to have studies and have proper sources that can back this up. Because it's one thing just to spew, oh, the birth control uh, birth control pill can lead to estrogen dominance. Like anybody can say that. But there is legitimate research to back this up. Not just that, when it comes to acne, estrogen dominance or more of this endometrial, like the elevated, I'm not saying you have to have it, but just everything clinical, Acne very much mimics androgen dominance. And you can be symptomatic to your androgens. And now guess what's happening? Now you're taking saw palmetto. You're taking things to repress or suppress your testosterone. And it has no correlation in that same because we didn't look at our DHEA, how we're metabolizing our stress hormones, what we're stealing from, how we're aromatase, like the aromatase, you know, the enzymes working for that. There are a lot of factors. So when I see it is sometimes it kind of looks beard-like. Yes, the beard-like. And it pushes down. It pushes down. It goes to the neck. And that could be even low estrogen. And that's why the DIM. So again, is the DIM going to be, if you're taking DIM when you're dealing with low estrogen, your symptoms are going to be so much worse. Right. And I just wanted to put that out there because you're like, you're talking about endometriosis, and but you can mimic endometriosis-like behaviors and all that estrogen dominance and be very, very low estrogen. So please, no blind supplements, right? No, oh, this kind of looks good, right? This looks fun. This looks fun. Kylie Jenner talked about it. This has to be good. (laughs) Katie Stewart says, um, (laughs) however, let's look at just one factor because it's totally underestimated in the realm of estrogen dominance and that sleep. Mm, sleep, you guys. So just such a simple thing, yet we all overlook it. Right. If we're not detoxifying, there's going to be a liver implication. And then again, 
Yes, you go to the practitioner and you say, hey, I have hormonal imbalances. They say, okay, even really good ones. And they say, okay, let's work on that because that's what you brought them. You brought them that main health concern. That's what you want to work on. So you start working on these and then your body starts trying to flush them, but you're not pooping. Oh, that's the, that's like the biggest mistake I think across the board is trying to balance your hormones if you aren't pooping every day. So Chris, I know we have an entire gut episode. You can go back and listen to it, but just mm-hmm. give everybody like a quick elevator spiel on what a healthy poop looks like. Oh, first of all, it is one of those ones you come out of the bathroom and you are proud. You're like, oh, I feel so much better. Yeah, that's your kid just, you know, open the door for a senior kind of moment. You know, you're like, yeah, I trained well. But it is, it's the unicorn of all poops. So it, it's going to feel good. When you wipe, you're not wiping consistently. It's not like the residue's there. It should be long, kind of snake lake or banana lake. We're cool with that brown. There's different variations of brown. As long as we're in that brown realm, and I'm not talking, there's no mucus. Oh, mucus, right? There's no little worms or other things in there. You know, I don't know how many people look at their poop. They are going to now. They're going to now. You got to look at your poop because it's a window into your body. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, there's a school out there that says, oh, if it floats, oh my gosh. And if it sinks, listen, poop is poop. It's all the leftover residual. Naturally in water, it does sink. If you have a high fiber, but I've seen some vegans and their bowels, they float. So we, again, it's not that one size fits all. Essentially, it needs to be good. It needs to be at least daily. At least. I mean, still. One to three times a day. Yeah. It, main meal in, nice poop out. Yep. It's got to be, it's like the assembly line. You got to be moving things out. So at least one to three bowel movements every single day. One long, smooth, snake-like movement. No little wormies in it. No undigested food in there. We shouldn't be seeing chunks of food. No mucus, no blood. Um, and it should also be easy to pass with no straining. You shouldn't be sitting on the toilet for 20, 30 minutes, even though I swear to God, that's what my husband does every single day. I'm like, what are you doing in there? What do you like? Is it just a man thing? No, he's totally on his phone. Whatever. <laughs> he's on his phone is what he's doing. Looking at sports highlights is what he's doing. And I'm like, he's getting 30 minutes away from his family. <laughs> Honestly, I just sit in the car in the driveway sometimes. I don't even just come in the house. I'm like, oh yeah, no, mommy was on a call. Nope, was listening to music. But that's the thing is, is it should be easy to pass. Like you should be able to pass your bowel movement in under a minute or two. And if your sleep isn't there, that can impact your bowel movements, right? Because again, we need that detoxification. We also need that liver loving you. If you're waking up, you know, two, three, anywhere up to that point in the morning, that could be telling us the liver's not shifted, right? So you throw in a dim. And I've seen this where the liver was so backed up and the hormones were so off that DIM was introduced and there was orange urine, orange, three days, two weeks of insomnia. Well, what does poop, liver and sleep? There we go. We have it. It was so unpleasant. The doctor just said, just keep going, which I did agree in this matter. Right. So we kind of, so there wasn't any distension, but we shouldn't have to be pushing our body to that round where it's that unpleasant. You can open up the pathways. You can support the body in different ways. You just need to be making sure you're working with a practitioner. Because that's this is the thing is Instagram should not be your health practitioner. TikTok should not be your nutritionist. Like when you're dealing especially with endocrine disorders, whether it's endometriosis, it's PCOS, it's whatever it may be, you do need the guidance of a knowledgeable practitioner because this is not something you want to be playing a guessing game at. And we will often get, well, Katie, well, Chris, how do I know 
if it's more estrogen dominance or if it's more the androgen like situation happening? Like, what can I do? Are there tests that I can do? Absolutely. A full hormone blood panel. One. Full. 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 And I said that in that, didn't I say, was it last week? I'm losing days. Uh, Yeah. I think it was in our hormone episode. We talked about, we talked about blood labs. So go, you can listen to that, but you want to get me making sure you're getting a full hormone panel done on the right days of your cycle. And what we, exactly what we use a lot with our clients that have PCOS and endo after we've, after this is the keynote. After we've done the gut work and the in the liver support, is we'll run a Dutch test, which is a functional medicine test. Has to be ordered through a qualified practitioner. It can order them. You can't just go and get it from your doctor. Uh, do not order if you can order it online by yourself. Don't do it because it's going to be a waste of money because you won't be able to interpret it properly. It looks like complete. You're trying to learn Chinese over there because it's so complicated. So you need to have a knowledgeable practitioner because the Dutch is a urine based analysis. It's going to be looking at your sex hormones, all of the metabolites, you know, your cortisol, uh, all of the things, some of your, your organic acid markers. It's a really oh, also melatonin, which can have an implication in endometriosis. So we love running a Dutch alongside whatever blood labs we can get from a medical doctor, because this is going to give a really phenomenal picture that we can look at and be like, okay, guess what? You have the true blue, like this is the real deal. Estrogen dominance are okay. Let's look at this androgen kind of situation happening over here. So this is how you can properly assess what's happening and know the right steps to do it. Exactly. On top of that, if we don't, again, take care of that gut, here's the thing. There was a client came in, H. pylori. She came in with tests Mm -hmm. already done. So we knew unequivocal she had that through a stool analysis. We've worked the entire time on removing that H. pylori and she's removed and tried to remove all these other factors, right? All these different colonies. Mm-hmm. She has the Dutch test. She's had it for 10 months. Can I test? Please go back and let's do a breath test on that H. pylori. We want to make sure that's simmered. Mm-hmm. She was also told to eat a high fiber diet with SIBO Ooh. and was getting tons Ooh. of bloating, Ooh. right? If we have H. pylori, SIBO, Hello. Hello, SIBO. It doesn't, it doesn't take much more than that. Which is small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. Essentially, there's bacteria where there shouldn't be in your gut. Yeah. And H. pylori is what is in your stomach. And we always have a little bit, but it shouldn't be running the show. Exactly. So yeah, I'm like, no, this is, this is how I, you know, so she's exiting the program and I'm like, this is what I would love for you to do. Here's the timelines. Here's the timelines. Here's the timelines. And that way she's going to get a true assessment as what's going on. Does she still have, I'm not like, okay, you're not here anymore. Like, see ya. Yeah, of course. When clients like, finish is- their, whether they stay with us for the regular six months, some elect to stay on with us a lot longer because they just love us so much, which I, I just love. Mm-hmm. Like we um, just have a client that's graduating recently and she was with us for like 19 months for her journey because she had some underlying disorders that we had to get clear it up. And we will never just be like, okay, yep. You want to see you later, like kick you out the door. We always want to make sure that we've set you up for continued success on whatever journey you're on to next. Especially, you know, when we're looking at the PCOS, which is more in that androgen like behavior. Again, we have to look at what foods need to accelerate your body. But when I say accelerate, not push it over the top, not piss off the liver and, you know, and then constipate us. How many times when people go into therapeutics, they get constipated when they increase their fiber, when they increase in even increasing their water, which is supposed to stimulate what happens. Right. And when Chris is therapeutics, she's referencing with a therapeutic protocol. 
So a therapeutic protocol is designed to the individual and what they need at that point. And it's therapeutic for a reason, right? Because it's a short-term thing in order to get the gains we want. I like to explain this like if you, you know, break an ankle and you go and see your physiotherapist, you're going to be put on a therapeutic protocol. I, I need you to do these exercises. You know, you're going to be coming here X, Y, and Z. Is it fun to do those things? No, it's not fun to be going to therapy and have to do these exercises four times a day, but you do it in order to get that ankle that you broke or sprain repaired. So the same thing is when we're dealing with acne or endometriosis or whatever it may be, you will have to go through a temporary therapeutic protocol in order to resolve the issues to get to where you want to be of your clear skin and of your pain-free periods. And by the time dysbiosis has reached that SIBO, that H. pylori, that acne, the skin, large organ, but it's there. We're going back. We're digging. Endometriosis, definitely hormone. I'm not saying that hormones aren't implicated. I'm just saying, how do we get in there? Being nutritionist, and we talk, again, a lot about food. Let's talk about foods to avoid because everybody loves that. Yes. Everyone, Chris, everyone loves when we talk about foods to avoid. What are you talking about? It's the best topic. So, yeah, trans fats. I had wings the other day. I, mean, I was really quick and there was a restaurant and I had wings. Non-breaded and still within what I could do. Can I tell you, I woke up at one o'clock and I was up the entire time because my body was like, I hate you. Why did you do that to me? Yeah. I don't even use the word hate. And my body was like, I hate you. I hate you right now. Don't ever do that to me again. We've all done it. Yes. I felt terrible. My joints hurt the next day. That was from food. That's trans fats. It plays with your blood sugar stability. It throws everything off, mm -hmm. right? There's carbohydrates. When we're dealing with something like estrogen dominance, which is again, I'm sorry, with endometriosis, it's an endocrine disorder. And we really need to be cautious and really need to be aware of what we're putting in our bodies. So of course, as you know, if you followed us for any length of time, we're big promoters of the anti-inflammatory diet, eating foods that naturally reduce inflammation in the body. But we kind of want to take it one step further and really focus on the specifics of that for people with estrogen dominance, because there's a lot of dietary components that we can do here. Mm-hmm. When we, yeah, and when we say carbohydrates, we're talking about refined. Those refined. Yeah. Okay. Caffeine. I never make friends when I say caffeine and alcohol. Chris, no one makes friends. Never. Right off the Christmas card list. Yeah, Chris, no one makes friends. No one's sending Chris a Christmas card this year. Uh, sorry about your Danish and, and your coffee and your mojito, right? You just ruined everybody's life in one swap, in one fall swoop. Right. It's no brainer that when we talk that anti-inflammatory, that whole food, that, you know, dairy, most often dairy's not a whole food. Newsflash, right? It's been processed or processed foods. Chris, don't you dare talk about dairy. You know how people respond. It's like you just kicked their cat or something. Unless it's raw and it's clean, it is, it's processed, right? No, like ideally like a raw, unpasteurized sheep or goat. Right. And still, when we have acne, that still might be questionable at that time. At that, yeah. It's not a forever thing, right? So for now. Now, there is one that's controversial, and it's called soy. Ooh, everybody asks about soy, Chris. It's like... Okay, a everybody asks about soy. And you get the two parties, one where they're like, I heard soy is amazing, and this is why it helps estrogen. And then you get the other half that's like, how dare you talk about soy? It's horrible. It's going to kill you. And you're like, okay, let's just like... Yeah, I just put on my black and white striped shirt, and I'm like, okay, ding, 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 ding go. go. It can be both. There's different types. Flax, yes, it can exasperate. Flax oil can be therapeutic. However, 
a little bit of flax, a little bit of soy in organic form can also help do a little bit of shifts. They're called phytoestrogens. It's knowing when and how to put them in. However, when you don't know where your hormones are, if there's androgen and progesterone, we've got to be careful with how we're going to. So I say at the beginning, let's look at no soy. And my vegans go, what am I going to eat? What about my tofu? What am I going to eat? Where am I going to get my, you know? Where am I going to get my protein? Absolutely. Client recently, high estrogen, very, went vegan. Never had any problems with the estrogen, has been validated through blood labs. I said, okay, are you open? No. Okay. Here is where I think we have some trace sources. You make that decision. It's not up to me. I'm an educator, right? So now that I've popped the bubble, let's talk about great foods. So we know brassica family, mm-hmm. green leafy. We need the bulk for the stool. But as we increase the fiber, water goes up. Let's be nice and kind. We can do celery and broccoli. Blueberries. Blueberries. A wild, love a wild blueberry. Yeah, also good for brain health. We could do omega-3s because you'll see that in a lot of the supplementation. But I like it through food, you know, where it's our fish. Hemp hearts. So there are plant-based ones. Hemp hearts. Chia seeds. Sometimes turmeric and ginger, I want to make sure that they're not holding any heat though, right? Like that red flushing. Right. From a traditional Chinese medicine perspective. Right. Bok choy is delish. Mm. Add a little, oh, add a little, have you ever tried adding a little bit of, and sidebar, but sidebar. this is what has to happen. Orange juice to it with some sesame seeds and you just steam it. Delish. I have done that before. Okay. I saw that recipe. I don't know. It's it's probably yours. Who are we kidding? (laughs) Who are you? I have thousands at this point. But I love that, right? Is is so often people don't eat vegetables because a lot of us grew up in the 70s, 80s, and in early 90s where we ate canned vegetables and everything was blah and gross. Like if I see a canned pea, I like literally throw up in my mouth a little bit because it's so vile to me. But, and it's like brownish green. Oh God, Chris, don't, I can't, I won't be able to go on for the rest of this podcast. I'm just dying over here. Mm. So we want to be making sure we're getting fresh vegetables or frozen, you know, whatever works for your budget. And we're using flavor boosters like the citrus, whether it's a little bit of citrus juice or it's a little bit of zest from the skin, or we're adding some garlic if you love garlic or some Italian seasoning, some whatever those flavors that you love, some ginger, some turmeric to your vegetables, that's what really makes them delicious. Because like if you're eating just like a a steamed broccoli, that's not fun. I don't like that either. You really got to add those delicious little uh, flavor components to it. Yeah. Variety and rotation, like we say all the time, we have to spice that up. So if it's black, what can we put in there? That's, again, herbs are fantastic, right? We're not eating herbs in copious amounts that really throw off the body in most cases. It's when, you know, we just use it for flavor. So endometriosis at the end of the day is either going to result in medical intervention where we're, see you later, alligator, pulling the carriage or ablation. Or birth control. Or we're waiting for, or birth control, or we're waiting for menopause because it needs estrogen, it thrives on estrogen. So when we take that birth control, we can be exasperating, obviously, that estrogenic property. So because it's painful, sure, we can add in supplements and we like to, and we can add in essential oils. I'm really big on castor oil, you know, for this phase of things. Acupuncture, fantastic. We can do all those things. They have to be done together, but it really does need to start with food first, with endometriosis. And then we build the staircase so that you can go forward. Absolutely. And 
outside of the anti-inflammatory diet, you know, knowing when to add the phytoestrogens and when not to have them, adding in some of the brassicas, I'm going to go after another fan favorite and I'm probably going to get my house egged for it. Are you ready, Chris? Wait, do I get to egg it? You don't get to egg it. You'll be in the house with me. You're in the house. I'll be egging both our houses. (laughs) (laughs) I see how I get an invite for that. (laughs) She gets an invite for that. She gets a gold star for that. So when... One of the biggest things that we need to be extremely cautious of and to be honest, fully eliminate if we have endometriosis or an estrogen dominance is alcohol. Yes, Mm -hmm. I'm talking about your Friday Mm -hmm. night half bottle, maybe bottle, depending how your kids were or work was this week, of wine. Even glass. Even a glass, a single glass. So there's a couple studies and I'll, I'll I'll link it in the show notes as well. So a study published in the journal Hormones and Cancer found that consuming just two drinks, I would say two glasses of wine, two whatever, for four weeks increased their estrogen levels by 22%. And the study, the authors of the study concluded that because of the effects on estrogen, drinking alcohol could increase one's risk of developing a breast cancer. Study, the second study that uh, I found there is a pre, there was a study done of about 300,000 women. And they found that the risk of breast cancer quadruples with the intake of one daily glass of wine. Quadruples. So this is why we need to really be removing alcohol across the board if we're dealing with an estrogen dominance and if we're dealing with an endometriosis because it's just it's pouring fuel on the fire. You can be eating this amazing anti-inflammatory diet, sleeping and taking the supplements, but you're, you're literally just like, again, pouring fuel on the fire. I'm going to save the eggs to your, to your window. Okay. Oh, come on. Oh, but I forgot. I'm gonna, I forgot to point out uh-huh. alcohol also impacts your gut's microbiome. It's going to be impacting your leaky gut. It's going to be overwhelming your liver. So not is it only impacting the levels of estrogen, but as we talked about, it's impacting the other areas of the body that are key and critical for flushing the estrogens. Mm-hmm. For everybody listening, as you have your egg order ready, the Costco sized egg basket for my house. Um, ah. For now. For now. This is for now. Not ever. Katie and I are not naive that we don't want to be doing something forever unless we're told. Katie has to be gluten-free, not an option. I have to be gluten, dairy, soy, and corn, not an option. Not an option. That's for basic survival because we have autoimmunes. If we can avoid or give people chunks of information so that they don't have to go down this pathway, please take take my brain. Take it. I don't want you to have to do right? these things. Right? Take my brain. Grab the information you can. Look at blogs and all of the recipes because you can do it. And if you're struggling and you can't do it, boom, you're with somebody. That's how you invest in you. If you don't like the symptoms, if you don't like what you've been told, by the time you get to a holistic practitioner such as ourselves, you've exasperated everything. So you're like, and, and I've said this before, I hear it all the time. You are my last hope. What? No pressure there. Now I'm going through my night sweats again. Yeah, no pressure. <laughs> it's totally fine. I'm not freaking out over here, but we bring it on. We, we do love it because- Bring it, bring it, bring it. <laughs> I hate that they've had to go through the ringer, but I understand because you will find that the majority of holistic practitioners- holistic nutritionists, naturopathic doctors, functional medicine doctors, whatever their designation is, the majority of them are in this field because they have been previously let down by the traditional Western medicine due to a number of different health issues. So, you know, you'll see like yourself, Mm -hmm. you have a specialty in thyroid. 
because you dealt with it and you were let down. I dealt with acne. I was let down. So that, so often practitioners are like, no, I get it. I've been there and I'm doing this because I found a different way for myself. Mark Hyman, Jolene Brighton, Dr. Joshua Ack. Nobody, I am telling you, I, I haven't met, unless somebody is listening, please tell me, I have not met somebody, again, in that influential holistic realm that didn't have something that, or someone special that was greatly affected. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of, that would, that's what makes the shift. I love it. Right. I'm done with the here, take this. Yeah, for sure. I know. And, um, Dr. Mark Harmon has a really great blog. I, I read it a few years ago, but he discusses his own battle with acne. And he says in the article, had I been a woman, they would have offered me the birth control pill. And he's so right is if you have acne or endometriosis, literally the first thing you are given from a Western doctor in most, like 90% of cases is the birth control pill because it's going to mask your symptoms. It's going to relieve, like relieve them, but it's not getting to that root cause. So after we've gone through Chris, the anti-inflammatory foods, the focuses, the alcohol, we know that we need to be pooping to get rid of the estrogens. Let's finish it up with the two lifestyle habits they can be including to help support their estrogen. Definitely. We want to get in some exercise for sure, because that helps bowel motility. We want nice restorative. Stress management is huge. Huge. We talk about it every episode. Reduce it. Stress drives everything. (laughs) Reduce it. Quit your job. Sell coconuts on a beach. I'm kidding. I wish I could do that. Mm -hmm. So what I would like is if we know we have to go after stress management and we know we have to exercise, what about restorative, calming, lovely yoga or walking? At least at that point, we're doing two things in our busy schedule to help mitigate one factor. I love box breathing. What's the other one? I love box breathing, just as a sidebar. Because listen, you guys, I'm a workaholic. I can easily sit and work for like 16 straight hours and not even look up from the screen. And I'm like, I don't have time to meditate. I don't have time to journal. I don't have time. And it's just excuses. Of course, I can find time. I can maybe not scroll on reels and send Chris 600 reels to her inbox for 30 minutes at a time. But that's not an exaggeration. It's not an exaggeration. <laughs> Chris will get like 15. Chris and Paige have 15 different reels I send them. So what I love to do is box breathing because it's so simple to do. And you can do it no matter where you are, if you're standing, lying down, like whatever it is. And you can Google it, type in box breathing. And essentially for a count of four, you're going to breathe in for a count of four up the one side of the box. You're going to hold for a count of four across the other box. You're going to breathe out for a count of four down the box. And then you're going to hold for another four. And you just repeat it until you feel that calmer response. So that's something very simple we can be doing. And if we're really heightened, I like the four, seven, eight. Mm-hmm. Have you heard yes, about that my, one? Yes. So we're breathing in for four. We're holding for seven. So now we're completing two sides. And then we're exhaling for eight. Nice and slow. So if you find that four, four, and four, and you're just not there, go four, seven, eight, or break it up between the two. This is going to be absolutely epic for everything. If you're like me, who's really loathing the decision to eat those wings, grab, you're definitely going four, seven, eight. You definitely need the four, seven. Four, four, four is not going to cut it. (laughs) It ain't cutting it. And after the week I've had, I don't think I can cut it with a four, four, four. Seven, eight all the way. Seven, eight all the way. All right. What's the other one? What haven't we discussed? The last one is movement. The importance of the right movement. So when we're dealing with hormone imbalances, uh, we talked about this with PCOS, we need to be 
maybe giving a, 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 a miss or pulling heavily back on the really high intensity workouts, like the spinning and the hit and the marathons, whatever it may be, because that can be doing um, a lot of disservice to your hormonal balance because it can be stressing the body, increasing your cortisol. And we, we want to be including more gentle, mm-hmm. mild, moderate movement. So whether that's some restorative yoga, you're doing like a yin yoga or you're doing um, a yoga nidra, maybe you're walking, maybe you're doing a little bit of weightlifting, like walking and weights can be really, really great. We don't always have to be like out of breath, breaking a sweat in order to get a good workout in. Like, you know, some junk time. Yes. And time, time, like you're like, like you're running. So what I'm saying, yes, you don't need to be running for three hours of cardio. No. Like when we start going after, so overdoing it, let's look at that. Like everything Katie's saying 20, let's go, just go over, you know, warm up 20, cool off. Once we start pushing those boundaries, we can be now pushing out these hormones and creating that estrogen dominance. Of course, these, this is kind of like a blanket thing, but I mean, there are a lot of research and everything like that. I'm not going to get into it now because I'll need three hours, but please just, we, no, it's not bigger, better, better. And when we have endometriosis, sometimes the personality is go, 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 high stress, bigger, better, better, like even high exec women, like right through, right down to people that don't have a job, they're in school. And they haven't even started that career pathway. Where are those stress factors? Identifying them, getting in some box breathing, doing some restorative exercises. And it's not the bigger, the better, the better. And the final thing that I, I want to finish off with is it's not an overnight process. When you were dealing with endometriosis and you were dealing with acne, mm-hmm. these are going to take some time. It you know may not be a quick four months. It may not be a quick six. It may not be a quick eight. As we've always said, is I, I like to give one month of consistent uh, healing for every month, for every year we've been dealing with the issue. So we have clients who have had endometriosis for 20, 25 years. You better like you better be prepared for a little bit longer of a journey. May it take, you know, that 24-month range? Maybe. It might be sooner. But I want you to consistently be in the headspace that this is not an overnight journey, no matter what the Instagram ads say. And not normal. And it's not normal. How you feel is not normal. You, how you feel is valid and deserves to be looked at and deserves to feel good. All right, Chris, I think we've ranted enough on that one. We hit all the spots. There's no ranting. There's no ranting. There's no ranting. We'll, we'll get ready for next week. Because next week, we're going into the birth control pill, post-pill acne, and what to do about it. Get ready, because I will be on my soapbox. Thanks for hanging out with us this week on the Clear Skin Chronicles. We'll see you next Wednesday with a brand new episode. Remember to subscribe to the show and drop us a review. Sending glowing vibes your way, Katie and Chris.